Hey everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio. This is number 311, sponsored by the band 311. <laughs> I wish. They're great. I had some friends that would go on the 311 cruise. There's a cruise. You go really? See 311 play on a boat in the ocean. It's kind of jealous. It's just such, it would be such a weird, like, what is the prototypical 311 listener? I can't quite picture it, you know? They're wearing shorts. Even though I had friends that wear I can tell you shorts. that. <laughs> they have shorts, shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. all you shorts listeners. This episode is going to be about, um, it's sponsored by Netlify, high five Netlify. But the 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 topic's gonna be uh app cues, which is another bit of software that this is not the first time we've mentioned. We use their product on CodePen. Um kind of proudly, I'd say. Uh we are we are you know full price paying customers of app cues, <laughs> and it is probably the most expensive software we use at CodePen. At this point, maybe even more so than our freaking servers, believe it or not. Well, it's, yeah, uh, it's not particularly we've been uh yeah economizing there that's a shout out to, yeah. uh, to d and alex they've done a lot of work there yeah yeah i don't think it's actually as expensive as our servers now that i think about it about as a third or something anyway you don't care about the exact numbers marie's with me hey marie you've heard her already she's been on this journey with me hey everybody um this is the point of the software app cues is basically it like shows those little pop-up bubbles that tell people stuff about your app. That's the simplest possible way to explain it. It can do a bunch of more stuff than that, but imagine that, that kind of like, it's a bubble. It points at something on the page and says, hey, you should look at that customer. Those things, even if you find them annoying, are tremendously powerful in helping people understand your product to the point where sometimes when you don't have them, people are starting to ask for them. <laughs> it was in some user testing the other day and it was like they didn't understand the spot and they're like, oh, you should have one of those pop-up bubble things that tells me. Oh, how cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> people are like asking for more, more app cues. Uh, it's a great product. Remember when we were we were wanting this because we we've we like built like kind of a a version of it ourselves at one point, but it was so hard. It really to was maintain over yeah. time, and and we could only do it just at such a limited scale. Like every time we yeah. wanted to do something like that, it was a whole. <laughs> like there was, was a whole, whole development cycle to it. It could have been know? a month. It could have been a month, honestly, exactly. just to make a, a, a pretty basic one. And then you're like, what are we? Are is that the is that what we're building here? Because it's not. It's like it's to teach you how to build something else. You know, this is a classic thing where we're outsourcing it feels so good because, you know, we're not a chat bubble company. We're a freaking front end social code. Editor. Yeah, you using app cues, I think, I think has been a big part of our move to like just letting software that specializes in the thing that we're trying to do specialize in it for us instead of us trying to build everything for ourselves. We had a, a pretty long phase where it was like roll your own everything. And we we learned from making that mistake many, <laughs> many times that you just lose too much time to it and someone else already knows how to do it. So when we just decided, okay, we just have to focus up on what we do and pay for the product and expertise of other people who can make these things for us. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny because making those changes 
even though it costs more, there is obviously a price to it. It has saved us time and it has also made us money because we were able to do the things that we knew would make us money and, you know, (laughs) have them actually happen instead of just be like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? You know, yeah, that'll take us six months, you know? We don't have that problem. It's a classic thing in software development. They call it build versus buy. And it's like you should you should run these analyses and figure out if it's actually more affordable for you to to build it yourself or buy it. And it's very easy to get that calculation wrong. Yeah. And it changes over time with how much money you even have. Sometimes buy feels great, but you can't because you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you build it. <laughs> Which is fine. It's just then you got to reevaluate that over time when you start to have more money, if that does happen to you. So anyway, we're on we were on this journey. Like we should be, you know, CodePen is complicated enough to really benefit from this. We should have better onboarding. We should have better in-app prompts to do things, better upsells, better everything. And AppQs just does all that. And it's so good. Although it's like I said, it's in this category of apps that is priced they have to have some pricing structure, right? And so many of these apps in that market also, and also the analytics market are basically based on how many users you have. Mm -hmm. That's what they've picked. It's kind of like when you buy fonts online, they price it based on page views. Is it perfect? No, I hate it actually. I think it's a sucky way to do that, but they had to pick some kind of metric. So that's the one they picked. So that's how it prices our font or, you know, Online fonts are, are, are often priced. AppQs is by user. Mm-hmm. So is Heap. And so is, you know, whatever, Mixpanel and the, these things that, that need some kind of metric to charge you by. Because it's not, the, I mean, certainly they could just say, oh, I don't know, it's 100 bucks a month for everybody. But that's not right because that means you're undercharging big companies, you're overcharging other companies. At least this is some kind of sliding scale. This does not work in CodePen's favor ever. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> we have a crap load of users and no money. <laughs> well, you know? yeah. <laughs> not none, but like not our budget is not the same as 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 other apps in the in the level of how many yeah, users at the, we at have. At the same volume of us. Right. Yeah. And so that that was something that really presented a problem for us when we were looking for things, you know, to to measure what was happening on CodePen. Anytime we looked at something, as soon as we saw, you know, the enterprise pricing or the pricing tier that would that would encompass our traffic, we were like, uh oh, <laughs> no way. You know, we just we it's in part of part of it's because we're a freemium product. You know, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of people using CodePen 100 percent for free. And that means lots of traffic, lots of use. But it's not it's not paid members. So, you know, that that really there's a difference between you know who's who's paid and who isn't. Well, and that's who you want to. That's who. That's who is unif. That's the point of of putting something like AppQs and analytics on your thing. You we could just say, oh, we only do it for for pro. We only you know we only load the software for pro users. Does that solve the pricing problem? Yes. Does that mean that we're not getting nearly as much value out of the product? Also, yes. Majorly, yes. Yeah, because the thing that is... That means we're not using it for upsells. We've already sold you. Right. That, and also, you know, we do want to take care of our free members, too. We are interested in how the product is working for our free members. So um, we would never have the whole story if we only analyzed the use and and only marketed to our pro members. That, that doesn't make any sense. 
No. In fact, if we could afford it, I'd use it for freaking logged out people too. But that's like, then that <laughs> yeah, that's a, blows it up even more. That's a high hurdle. Can. So you have to scope it in some way. And in fact, there's other ways to scope it. You know, you can scope it geographically. I don't like that. But you, if you have to pull that trigger, you can. Mm-hmm. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Netlify. High five, Netlify. They do have so many cool things. But it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's hosting, right? It's hosting for, for your static files. Of course, you can do a lot more with those static files. But just think of those static. Imagine you're teaching a course and you're teaching kids or adults or whoever about HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, you haven't put together a really simple site. You could even do that on CodePen, but you don't have to. This isn't about CodePen. Maybe you're, you know, teaching them on their own local software or something, and they build a little site, and it's these files. And it's, like, kind of cool, because it's, like, on their local computer, and hey, they learned some HTML and stuff and made a little website. But something about that doesn't feel very satisfying until it's, like, a real website that like you could text your friend the URL and they could click it in their on their phone and see the thing load up and it's a website. There's a real aha moment to that that's like yes, it's hosted. It's real. Uh uh it's really easy to do on Netlify, but one of the coolest things they offer is just a, uh, they call it Netlify Drop, and it's at app.netlify.com slash drop. If you took a folder and it had in it like an index.html file and it's all linked up with CSS or whatever, it's like ready to go. It works perfectly fine on your local computer. Take that folder, drop it onto the little droppable area at app.netlify.com slash drop, and it'll be like, boop, 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 up, it's online, Netlify hosted. It just like instantly does it because Netlify is so fast with that because obviously, you know, it's all pre-built. There's no build process or anything. Netlify will run your build process, but that's irrelevant here. I just think that's cool. I bet this is used in an educational context a lot, you know, that they can, that you can, that you can just drag and drop a folder and it'll just boop it onto Netlify for you. And then it's real. Then you're like, the second you do that, you're a real web designer and developer. I think that's cool. High five Netlify. Thanks. So that's what AppQs is, right? Like, think of the chat bubbles thing. But it all, it, it's not just that, because, like I say, because it's got modals and it's got, like, like onboarding checklists. And it just has other features. But in general, it pops up some UI on top of our UI, which is, you know, dangerous territory. You got to make sure that you do that really tastefully. And it's got to look really integrated into the site. You can't. It's got to have good performance. The accessibility has got to be right. But, you know, thank God they do those things well. So high five app cues, super expensive. You know, we get it. I just got the email just a few weeks ago that was like time for your, you know, to re-up the agreement. And this is such, this is software on that kind of enterprise-ish mm-hmm. level where it's not like they just charge our credit card again. You got to like get a document and review it and docu-sign it and all that stuff. It, that's It's software at that level. So we're going through it again, but that's the perfect time to be kind of, you know, drilling your, your salesperson about, you know, what else do we get? You know, Mm -hmm. you you want to, you want me to renew this, right? It's going (laughs) to help your commission, I bet. What, what do you got for me? You know? So when we originally signed and negotiated the deal and paid and all that, there was a, you know, they were hinting at the idea of, of an events dashboard. So let me just stop there and then we can back up and like describe what that is and why it would matter to us. Because I'll tell you what it does. Mm-hmm. 
It does because that's basically analytics. Analytics are like installable stuff in your app to be like tracking what happens in your app, which, you know, maybe y'all don't like that, but guess what? Every single app in the world does it, you know, and it can be done tastefully and anonymously and not slimily. And that's what we do. But the idea is, did you click the, I don't know, the button to make a pen private from public? We're going to track that. And we track it in a database that's anonymous. It's not about you. It's about, so we know how popular that feature is essentially. Yeah. So we can make smart decisions. Like the way app. I think about it is that it's, it's actually more tracking what the app is doing. Like, because you, you know, for example, the things that we're tracking are like, has this button been clicked? Has this toggle been interacted with? So that tells us like, how is our product performing? It, all of these things that we have in the product, every single feature, every single button or switch or checkbox or anything kind of needs to earn its place because we have so many things in the app. We need to make sure that every single thing that we have in there is worth keeping there and is actually useful to our members. And so this, this is our ability to analyze, is the app being used? Is this piece being used? Should we keep this piece? Because everything can be on the shopping block if people are not using it and if it is not useful you know we just need to make this yeah, app as simple sure. as possible you know it's a complex app simplification is important and so this is our chance to say like literally we set up one of the first things we set up in this event tracker was to test if a toggle switch is being flipped like <laughs> and so <laughs> we're seeing yes the toggle switch is being flipped it and we are able to analyze you know, is it being flipped by pro members? Is it being flipped by free members? But we don't know personally, like, this person flipped it. We just know that the flip happened. Gosh, it, it solved one, you know, not a dramatic one this week, but there was a, um, we have a copy link button in the pen editor. You know, you open up the share menu and one of the things besides sharing, is just a, it's just a button and it says copy link and you click it and it puts the URL that you're currently looking at on your clipboard. It's the simplest thing in the world. Part of me still, I have to admit, is like, that's so stupid. Just copy the URL. You're, aren't you, aren't you like web developers? I'm pretty sure you know how to use the clipboard. You know, that's in my soul somewhere. <laughs> so, and then, but Marie's like, I'm telling you, people are clicking that button. And then we added tracking for it. And guess who was right? Was it Marie or was it Chris? <gasps> it well, Marie, it turns out time. it was me, but I was even more right than I knew I was. <laughs> <laughs> which is to be fair that's that's rare <laughs> but but a i mean crap load of people click that button very popular an unbelievable amount and so that brings me brings up a thing i i've probably said this on the show a bunch of times but when you get one ticket about something in support it represents many 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 other people who had the same problem but were just like I'm not going to waste my time sending in a ticket I don't actually care you know and so right. when when you think like oh we would get tickets before we added the share link um we would get tickets you know a couple a month maybe four or five a month not a ton but definitely always got them where people would say how do I share a link to my pen with someone else and we would say, you know, just copy it out of the address bar. It's in the, the address bar of your browser there. Right. Um, but that ticket went away once we added it to the share menu. And obviously, when we see how many people are using it, tons of people wondered this, but just didn't bother to ask because it was, you know, it was a pain to have to send in a ticket. So, 
you know, just being able to see the the use there shows us, yeah, that not only was that a good idea, it was a great idea. Yeah, it makes me think that it makes me think that you can't that they don't know because they know they're logged in. That I wonder if that URL to them that they see in their browser vendor is they're like, oh no, surely that isn't the same URL that is shareable publicly. Right. I, that's I, what it is. I do think I do think that because you know it's kind of an unusual looking URL. It has their username in it and like a weird little slug hash at the end. Yeah. It could be that they thought, oh, this is private. I can't share this. But I could, you know, I need, I just need to find the shareable. Yeah, but the app will give me some shareable. Exactly. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So that's what, and so people use it constantly. Another thing that was interesting is that we were curious about which of the social networks uh, was the most popular for shares. I had guessed Facebook just because of the sheer volume of Facebook. Like Facebook is massive, but it's actually dev, Mm. dev dev.to. Yeah, and and what it was up against is Twitter, Facebook, and dev. And dev's like three times the other ones. Super cool. I would need. To, I need to circle back on some things because we lost the plot on some of this. We're talking about this event tracking, which we did. The what we were pushed back on our salesperson was was like it was like a year ago, where you said you were going to have this like event dashboard thing, and you don't have it. They're, they're like, oh, good news! It's you know coming early April, and they uh, they really came through on that. So 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 high five. We we re upped our AppQ's subscription happily uh, that this came out. So if it, you know two weeks ago, even a week ago as we were recording this, if I wanted to know how many people clicked on that copy link button in order for Marie and I to to settle this, (laughs) um, we wouldn't be able to know. I mean, we could probably wire up something. We've always had in the back of our mind, we're gonna, we got to get something going for this. You know, we used Google Analytics event for a while, but we are way priced out of Google Analytics. They're even more expensive than their enterprise pricing is crazy down. So now we have it. Here's the irony of all this is that we were doing event tracking anyway. So we just couldn't see it. So we have this stuff built into CodePen, literally like handwritten event tracking stuff about whether you click this toggle or open up this view or do X, Y, and Z. There's, you know, dozens and dozens of these events that we're tracking. And not just for funsies, we're sending that data because we can't, we have nowhere else to send it at the moment. We have dreams, but we're only sending it to AppQs. AppQs has a thing that says, please send us your events, you know, and while there was no dashboard to look at those events in up to a week, it was still useful because in the world of app queues, you can do all this targeting that's specific that can be if you want it to be around events. Mm-hmm. It can be around other types of metadata too. But imagine this: there's like you have a feature for you know printing recipes or something, and you know that. Um, this user has never printed a recipe because you are asking AppQs like, hey, sh- you know, I want to show a little pop-up bubble thing to users who have never printed a recipe. So you can target that group and say, well, if, you know, the currently logged in user has no events that, because you know, because you're tracking clicks on the print recipe button that user has never clicked that button then you show the pop-up that's super useful be like hey we have this feature and you've never used it you should use it because if you teach them and they're appreciative of that what that is is basically lowering your churn Mm -hmm. because you're teaching someone how to use your app and and being useful to them so appcues has always had that so we've been sending events to them in order to use it for that type of stuff 
but they never had a way then to, because you're like, this is the same as how every other analytics platform works. It's how Google Analytics works. It's how Heap works. It's all this stuff. Some of them auto track clicks and stuff, but most of them don't. Most of them are like, oh, you want to track something? Go into your app, write a line of JavaScript that sends that pings our server when this event happens and send along the name of an event and whatever other metadata. And we'll even associate it with the logged in user anonymously. So we're already doing it, you know? And so all this, you, but it makes you wish like, come on, you already have my event stuff. You're basically an analytics software too. You're just don't give me any dashboards for it. So last week, they, this is what, why we're doing this podcast right now is they dropped the dashboards mm -hmm. and we're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. I mean, you know, ideally we wouldn't have had to wait a year or whatever, but I understand it's software. It takes a long time to build and they drop it and it's like immediately useful. Yes. It's just like, wow. Yeah. Within God. a couple of hours we were using it like, and that, I think they've just involved me logging on <laughs> to know that it was available, you know? Like it was, right. it, it was immediately useful to us. And what's super cool about AppCues, one thing that I really love, is that um, it has that no code aspect where you can just create events to track literally in our app. You know, they have the the browser extension, and you can just cruise around inside of our app, clicking on things to create events that way. So you know, I, there doesn't have to be any code pushed i can just make one literally in seconds if i come up with something i want to track you know super cool yeah yeah that is cool internally we've been like well crap now if we we what we don't want to do is like half and half it and have like half our stuff tracked that way and half our stuff in app tracked mm -hmm. or whatever so we're trying to it's so tempting you know it's almost like you know, go one way or the other, like throw right. away our in-app tracking and just use that. But I kind of don't want to because the possibility of doing it in-app means that, say, we were to not use AppQs anymore. They had some competitor that's better and we decided to switch. We've abstracted our tracking in such a way that it's done, it's not directly using AppQs APIs. Mm -hmm. Like we track it with our own kind of APIs and then it gets transformed into their format and sent. And we did that on purpose, thinking ahead, thinking that, oh, maybe, you know, maybe someday we will be able to afford a more dedicated analytics package. And then we'll send that event to AppQs and that other mm -hmm. service, you know, yep. maybe we'll even do it server side so that it doesn't, it's not clogging up your client side pipes doing all that mm -hmm. sending. Yeah. And I mean, it's, but it's smart from AppQs perspective to do something like this because, you know, the business side folks can hop in and, and do these things oh, on their yeah. own, you know, and it's flipping. Genius. And then that's, that's locked in. Cause that's not in your code base. That's what the people who did it through the AppQs UI built so they did a very, very smart thing there. Right. It's sticky in a way that's like <laughs> kind of like not slimy. You know, it's like it's just a it's useful their feature. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's, a product. it's a cool feature in their product. And it is a no code solution to event tracking. Like I'm thinking of it from that perspective because I don't write like JavaScript anymore. I I like to make charts and, you know, use Excel and things yeah. like that. And that type of stuff is, you know, point. this is just point and click for me. And so especially for a larger organization who had a lot of folks, you know, in, in the business development side of things, this is super cool. And I bet a lot of people will like, will like that who don't want to have to work inside the code base. Right. 
Yeah, I really, I think it's it's really clever, especially because you already have some training in AppQs anyway, if you're using it, which is this browser extension, it pops up over your site and you build these pop-ups and these flows on top of your own site. So yeah, I think mentally you're already kind of like in that mode. So to have this new feature just roll out, you're already used to using AppQs like on top of your own site. So it's just an extension of that. You don't have to like learn anything dramatically mm -hmm. new. Yeah. So clever. So good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's super cool also because I, I feel like, you know, like you said, like we already have experience with it, but also this is just so intuitive that, you know, we just got right on it. We were making events within moments of realizing this is available to us. So very cool. Wow, gosh, what was I thinking? There's so much great stuff. I mean, so, you know, the day this launches, we have all this historical data too. So that's why it's so immediately useful. You know, we can just be like, oh, look at, look at what the top events are. We had one like... <laughs> really terrible mistake on the site and we would have no possible way to know it i mean pretty much no possible way to know it until we could see these dashboards we misimplemented one event so dramatically <laughs> that it um it was it kind of overpowered all the other events and the problem was that rather than waiting for the event to happen it just tracked it immediately basically when you load the page yeah. so there's one event that was like way above all the other ones and we just looked at me like oh that's because it fired before the person even clicked the dang thing yeah um, and luckily we were able to compare to our own database and see okay that this is not right <laughs> because we could have right. we, we could have just been like wow look at this incredible you know yeah good thing but we aren't least, charged by the event oh Jesus. boy yeah <laughs> that would have been a very sad discovery for us but but no i mean you know we were able to compare it against our actual you know database and, and say okay no, this is way out of whack we got to figure this out so you know you, you do need to do some troubleshooting you anytime you you have data you have to you have to ask it a couple of questions to make sure it's the real deal because it's super, super easy for data to be fouled in all kinds of different ways. So you always do need to interrogate it a little bit and try to sanity check it, make sure it actually matches up with reality. But, you know, luckily we were able to right away spot what the problem was and, and Stephen fixed it, you know, very shortly yeah. after we realized it. And now we know, we know the day that occurred and the day that was fixed. And so we can kind of, you know, use that information as we go forward to know, okay, this stuff from before this date is, is really screwed up. We need to only look at this from this date forward. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's good. We gives us a chance to, to clean up our crap and get better, better, better data in that way. You know, you do have to grain of salt some of this stuff too, because you see some top events and you're like, wow. And you can also look at bottom events mm -hmm. and be like, whoa, nobody uses that. One of our bottom ones is like, is like restoring a pen from d deletedness. And it's like one of those features where you're like, that doesn't mean we're not going to have that feature. Come on. Like it's still an obviously useful feature. It's just that people don't need to use it that much because it's just happens to be a little bit rare of a thing that happens you know yeah it's pretty uncommon to accidentally delete something but when you do <laughs> it's it's a really upsetting situation so i mean that was there's a podcast episode a while back where we talked about why we why we invented the uh, <laughs> idea of restoring deleted items uh but the uh but when we were looking at it just now, we saw how many and how many times something was restored from the trash can, and realistically, that was that many tickets that didn't come into support because when someone yeah, deleted something by mistake, they, they would thing, write in. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that many people who didn't have a really frustrating and terrible thing happen to them, which is they accidentally deleted something and they couldn't get it back. 
So right. it, it validates the feature and it shows that it's working, you know, which is also useful to know. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. And it's good to see that that's down low at the bottom. If for some reason, suddenly this is scaling up high and lots and lots of people are having to do that, we'll have to investigate why are so many people accidentally deleting something? Is something wrong? You know, this can also kind of be a canary for us in terms of figuring out, well, something's gone wrong here. People are doing this over and over and over when it's not normal for that to happen so much. That's a guess. That's why it's like you have to have like something in mind before you even look at the data sometimes. Because sometimes the raw data just isn't isn't doesn't tell the whole story you know oh, yeah absolutely. i've thought about this for a long time like i have google analytics on css tricks but i never look at it because it's like i don't even know like oh time on site that's a number is it good or bad i don't know do i want it to I, do i even know if i want it to go up or down no i don't really know there <laughs> yeah. could be a case made either way that's just useless data to me I don't regret having it necessarily because I do actually find useful stuff in there sometimes. But it's like it's much more useful to have a question in mind than look at the analytics to answer the question. Mm-hmm. It's just this data is so juicy because it's not random crap that some computer decided to track. It's stuff that we decided to track. So every piece of data in here is juicy because we're like, oh, it's like it's built into our app. It's the analytics that matter because like we we cho- they're metrics that just are important they're not all they don't all have like goals in mind you know they're not kpis necessarily they could be but they're at the moment they're not you know a lot of what we're using it for and planning to use it for is just for planning out developing the product and you know we're we're taking a look at how parts of the product are being used frequency and you know category of use and that's going to help us determine what our members actually need and how we can improve. And so, you know, the the very broad brush of analytics that you can get, things like you said, like time on site, things like that, that really wouldn't be useful to us. And that's also included in a lot of the very large analytics packages because in many cases that is actually very useful. It's just not useful to us. So I love how we've been able to tailor this to our own interests and our own needs here and really just, you know, not even bother with the stuff that doesn't matter because that stuff can really cloud, you know, it just clouds the view of, of the analytics. You're, you open it up and it's just like, what is all this? Do I need to know this? Do I need to investigate all of this information? Probably not. You need to just go in with your question. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You've been having a field day there. That's more stuff to talk about at sure, some point. Yeah. But you, everything you build is a dashboard with a real purpose in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's been, over the past year, I've I've really had an opportunity to make use of new tools and, and just, you know, learn new methods of, of measuring and analyzing data. And it is so satisfying to be able to build something that answers my questions specifically and only my questions. I'm not having to dig through a bunch of stuff. I have the answers to what I want to know. And so, you know, we've been using um, Redash for for a lot of that too, and and it's been we've learned so much more about the product's use and and what really matters in CodePen uh, just from these tools. And it's been just like, and it's been really fascinating. It's it's really cool to learn this stuff and really cool to be able to to answer our questions and not just have to go on our gut. We used to go on our gut a lot, and our gut would be right. You know, sometimes, and then our gut would be super wrong. 
<laughs> other times. And after all this time, I, I still feel uh, like I lo- it's like fun to be proven wrong because it's 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 humbling in the right way because your mind is always like, of course I'm right. Totally, right? yeah, it's your mind. I have an opinion. Yeah, <laughs> your mind came up with it, so your mind's My gonna mind argue is always for right. It. Yeah. But but yeah, but when you find out you're wrong. It can be like, all right, well, that's extremely interesting. Now, why am I wrong? And and then you have to re-examine your assumptions. And one of the things I think that we've learned from from using these tools is that you know we we have multiple ways to listen to the CodePen community and the people who are using CodePen. You know, we we have people who decide to speak directly to us. They write into support or they you know contact us in other ways. Um, but we also have people who are just using CodePen and their use of CodePen tells us something. And we owe it to them to understand how they're using CodePen so that we can make sure that CodePen really works for them without putting the onus on them to communicate to us, you know, to answer surveys or or whatever, you know. Um, we just need to just see how it's being used and do what works for them. And so it, these tools make that actually possible to to understand how people are using it without bothering them, without, you know, requesting anything from them. Just see how it's being used. So I really love it. Fantastic. Me too. We'll see if we if we uncover any interesting uses. Of it. We just got this. Yeah. So we already days. have questions yeah. about how, you know, deeper metadata works and comparing it with cohorts. And, the, you know, there's a you know, we're just scratching the surface. We're so stoked. So high five team for releasing that because it's, you know, it's going it to, in a sense, it means that we don't need to jump so, you know, closely to get another analytics package. I would think this is, you know, if you were to compare this to something that's been doing analytics for 10 years, then I'm sure they have deeper feature set. But in my mind, this kind of covers the big one, which is just like, show many how many people did the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it <laughs> works for us. AppQs has always scratched itches for us in, in a important way and i'm you're yeah i'd have to say thank you to that team too this has been such a useful product for us and it has helped us make our product better like no doubt in my mind we have improved because we have used app cues oh well thanks marie yeah thanks for having uh, me on (laughs) keep doing yeah see you later bye everyone Eight.